My ability to summon fish is of no use for this toppling building. Representing the United States West Coast, Dazzler. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Everybody's in the midst of grief and Reed Richards' wife is hitting on the new guy. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. I've got abs on my Adam's apple. Andy Padel. Gimp fight. Found the shell. Oh, Hitler porn. And Bean. Dang it, point. Why weren't you more cohesive? And Joel Simon. Did I just have a stroke? Never. Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of the Trade Secrets <gasps> Podcast. 42. 42. This is the answer. It is. It is. Uh, we are We are the answer. Um, oh, God. The final answer. <laughs> no shit. Uh... I am here today with, uh, I am Luke. I, I should introduce myself. Hi. Uh, and I'm here today with Andy Padel. Hi, hi, Luke. How hi. are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing. Hi, Joel. This is Joel. Salutations. And Anne Bean. Ahoy hoy. Aha. Back to the ahoy hoy. It's been a while. It's I should have said sup. Oh, you should have. Uh, for this show, we are reading a J. Michael Straczynski Marvel book called The Twelve. Uh, this was Joel's suggestion. It is a book that is, um, it's another like kind of alternate superhero story uh, in the Marvel set in the sort of in the Marvel universe. Um, it's an Elseworlds title. Yeah. Uh, a what if, if you will. Um, and uh, it came out in 2012, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're all really fucking tired today, I think. Yes. Um, I think it's actually that the book has sucked the life out of us. <laughs> <laughs> I read, I accidentally read volume two and it's, you, you read two volumes. It's pretty good. You, you look like one of those pod people from the dark crystal right now after no, their life has no, been no. sucked out. <laughs> no, second volume, second volume's good. The first volume, uh, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that later, but. So, uh, as, as always, so we, we, um. You know what? I'm I'm not going to start with what we're reading today because there's actually a couple pieces of comic book industry news that I want to talk about. So we're going to start with uh, with Marvel blowing up comicsology. Uh, I don't know if you guys seven hundred free <laughs> issues. <laughs> Nothing bad can come from this. Yeah. So oh, God. So Marvel uh, Marvel announced at South by Southwest or SXSW that they were they're like basically. Virtually every number one we've had forever is is going to be on Comicsology now, all at once. So for free, uh-huh. for free. So they put a, they put seven hundred different issue number ones up for free on Comicsology at the same time, and Comicsology imploded. Uh, imploded is like a polite word. Like so, the announcement happened, and then actually at South by Southwest, you could hear the death knell of the internet screaming <laughs> through space and time. As ten billion people tried to download seven hundred free comics, yeah, all I at the feel same a time. great disturbance in the force. Well, and that's the thing—you know that it's like nobody, nobody was being. I actually went in there on the iPad app, and it, at first I didn't have a problem um, because I was being selective. I was—I actually—I didn't want fucking seven hundred comics. I mean, yeah, they're free, they're cool, whatever. But there's a lot of shit in there that I don't want. For example, there's a whole bunch of shit in there that's written by Orson Scott Card. No, not going to download that because you know what? I'm not a fucking hypocrite. So. <laughs> <laughs> gonna write or not going to draw um, for it either. Um, but I, I'm being selective, and it was like the first few. They're like, "Yep, download it, download it, download it, fine." And then 
After that, it's just like, well, and it's funny in the iPad app because things are a little things are a little laggy in the iPad app anyway. <clears throat> so you click to buy something, you like punch the button to buy something, and if you haven't put your password in for your for your account, it'll it it thinks for a minute, right? It thinks it thinks, and then it pops up a message and it asks you to put your password in. Well, if you if you just go down the list and you're like pop 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 like five of them, it you'll get probably five or six buttons pushed before the message for the first one pops up and then it'll just be like blop 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 over and over and that's what that's what happened because I was in there and I'm like I don't I put my password in and then I'm like oh this one this one this one this one I probably got twenty five or twenty six comics selected and then it's like error click error 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 I'm like Jesus fucking Christ um. But yeah, um, it, it was uh, it, it brings up an interesting thing because an interesting problem with Comixology's uh, with with their model because Comixology is uh, kind of operates on on straight up um, like cloud streaming model where you can download some things, but. The va- you can only have a, a limit, especially on mobile devices, you can only have a limited number on the mobile device, and then the rest of them, when you go in and it says you have it and you own it, and you click to read, it's technically streaming it. It pulls it down from the internet. and which From the cloud. From the cloud, and, uh, and you read it that way, which is a problem when their servers go down because not only did this 700-issue problem crash their servers and cause it, a whole shitload of people not to be able to download their new stuff. It prevented every single other Comicsology owner from not being able to, re- or prevented them from being able to read the comics they already owned, and that's a problem. See, what's going to be actually a problem is uh, when DC, you know, apes this in about six months, and they're like, right. "We're going to give you fourteen hundred number one <laughs> issues, but just the first half." Yeah. <laughs> oh, and see, that's the and- old fifty-two hundred. And that, and that is kind of the problem with digital copy, though, because if if the service ever goes down, you are fucked. You can't. It depends that whole on library is. See, done. it depends on how you do it, though. Like, and and when you compare this to something like you compare it to even iTunes now took away DRM, right? So if you download an MP3 on iTunes, you download it and it's on your local drive, and there's no DRM, and you don't have to worry about if if fucking iTunes goes down, you can still listen to that MP3. Same with uh, like Kindle and Nook, right? If I download a book, it's on my local device, mm. and if their servers go down, I get to I still get to read it. Um, I don't have to connect to the I don't have to connect to the internet to authenticate i don't have to pull a sim city bullshit and and you know be always on to read my books <clears throat> or whatever and there's there's zero reason why they can't do this with comiXology too now the file sizes are slightly larger but they're not extensively larger oh, no not at all i mean but how do they protect the licensing rights i mean because if you download it and you have that personal copy you could very easily just give it to somebody else and they can read it. So you could do that with MP3s too, but it doesn't yeah. seem to cause a problem, right? Well, but that's how iTunes fixed it before. They had the MP4, and and then you couldn't you couldn't or ACC, and you couldn't transfer with somebody else. Yeah, you know, it was only tied to your iTunes account, which is hilarious because just just last weekend I was talking with a friend, and he hates iTunes, and he has all this stuff, 160 gigs of Chris. No, no, no. It's somebody else. And he hates iTunes, so he uninstalled it and went with this other program. And then when he tried to listen to his music, like 60% of his tracks were done because they were tied with iTunes and he couldn't listen to them. So he has to go back. 
It's this is with the DRM iTunes stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, but even the DRM, like supposedly, anyway, yeah. even stuff that was downloaded while there was DRM in iTunes, they stripped the DRM. If you, I mean, I think you have to update the files, but if you update the files, the D, it strips the DRM, and then you can listen to it however. Yeah. Um, but even... I don't I think mean, that guy, this guy is that tech savvy because he was... I mean, this is... This is pissed. Uh, this is a, a dead horse beating argument, yeah. but the DRM like that, it doesn't do what the companies that use it think it, is going to do. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't... Because there's always it doesn't, The protections that it offers are not worth the inconvenience. customer inconvenience that you generate by doing it. And Comixology found that out the hard way, <laughs> where now you have every customer unable to read the shit that they have paid for. And it it's... seems to be a theme. Yeah, right? And it, it's, it, it's aggravating because um, there's no hard numbers that can tell you that the DRM pisses off your customers mm-hmm. there's no way that you can just there's no there's no way to measure that other than people being like this is bullshit yeah. and there's also the, the biggest problem though is is all of the statistics and all of the all, well it's not really statistics all of the the fear speech that company uses companies use to justify drm via piracy is also completely immeasurable like they can't fucking you can't you can't know how much of an actual effect piracy has on your on your nope, nope. business because it's not it's, tracked. It's it's not tracked, and the assumption you, there there's a lot of ephemeral data in there that you can't use to actually make any assumptions. Like most of the people who who bitch about piracy work on the assumption like the the corporations that use it as an argument work on the assumption that every single person who illegally downloaded something was also a person who was a potential customer mm. and that's just not true no. it's just not true the venn diagram of of content pirates and legitimate customers has a very small sliver of crossover yeah and so I went to an event at the Richard Hugo House uh, a few weeks back that was called The State of the Book. Um, and it, it was more or less about piracy specifically. They had um, a guy from Amazon there. They had uh, some editor there. And then they had Peter Mountford there who had the interesting – he's a novelist. And he had the interesting experience of like having a quite long sustained dialogue with one of the people that was translating and de facto pirating his work in Russia um, and eventually kind of got around to the the point of like are you pirating my stuff and he's like what no I would never do that mm-hmm. just because like, he didn't like the, the Russian guy didn't think of what he was doing as piracy he was just you know translating it yeah. and then distributing it for free <laughs> um, but it was interesting to hear everybody's perspective on books made out of words piracy um, because across the board, they're kind of like, look, if someone's pirating your stuff, that means you're successful. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> it, like it, nothing bad comes of it. No really? One, no <laughs> one wants to steal anything that doesn't have value. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, and Neil Gaiman has this like famous video about how this one time he puts his stuff up on the online for free, and then suddenly all of his sales went up like three hundred percent. Which makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, of the way that we do share content and how we recommend stuff to each other. And the point that they're making at this panel at Hugo House was like, look, 
if people want to pirate your stuff and you're not Neil Gaiman, you've got it made. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, and, and this has been proven time and time again. Um, it started, uh, I think it was like five or six years ago with, with I think it was Radiohead when they put up an entire album said, for pay what, pay what You Want and made an ass load of money off of it. And then, of course, the the thing that's going around the internet right now that I I absolutely love is Amanda Palmer's TED Talk, yeah. where she talks. You know, the the purpose of it is um, teaching is it's asking, teaching consumers how to how did, ask. Yeah. Um, and she she talks specifically about how. Um, when she was with a major record label, she released an album and they sold 25,000 copies in the first couple of days and the record label labeled it a, a consummate failure. Said that, that, no, this is a failure, it's it's dumb. And then later on she goes and kickstarters her new album and she made a very distinct point that she earned uh, was one point. She asked for 100,000 and got 1.2 million and... Uh, it was an unmitigated success, and she had just under twenty five thousand backers on Kickstarter, right? And she does, she puts her shit up for free. She's mm-hmm. like, here or or not free, pay what you want. Where she's like, this is my stuff. If you like it, please please help support me because yeah. this is what I do. And she she talks about uh, my favorite part is where she talks about this guy who shows up at one of her concerts and she's at a table like signing stuff and talking to fans and stuff afterward and the guy walks up and hands her a ten dollar bill and says i downloaded you i torrented your album <laughs> like hands her she's like i love it and i want you to have the money i know you've got problems with your record label but here's 10 bucks for your album right and and That's i think awesome. i mean i i understand that people aren't always going to be that altruistic but um there's also the the pendulum doesn't swing completely in the opposite direction either, right? Like, no. if your shit's being pirated, that's a that's it's not. I don't believe. I just refuse to believe that the the amount of piracy that exists has a significant impact on the bottom line of any particular thing item, um, especially in a digital world. Because um, there's another good example. Louis C.K. did the exact same fucking thing with his last uh, with his last comedy special. Yeah. He didn't. He distributed it himself. He, he funded the filming of it himself. Put it all together. Put it up on his website for five bucks DRM free. Yeah. And in the first day, made two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like, if you have, like, if if you if you don't have a following. People aren't going to pirate your shit. They don't care. If you do have a following, people are going to pay for your stuff because they know it has value. Well, I think the the crux of the the whole matter is that you've got these giant publishing houses who want to determine what goes out and what doesn't, and they're really the thing that's taking most of the overhead. Like, they've got, you know, their distribution channels that everyone needs to get paid, and they've got, you know, all these other things, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, so they need these huge successes. So you've got... Um, developers of you know either music, comics, games, whatever, who are just like, nah, fuck it, we're gonna see who wants to play this anyway. Yeah, and they're doing Kickstarter and stuff like that, and they're just making buckets of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, fucking stacks of buckets of money, and it's scaring the, the publishing places. Well, I think the publishing world is changing rapidly in oh, ways yeah. that's making everyone itchy and uncomfortable, and it's not a bad thing. I'll just kind of be interested to see how it shakes out in the next 20 years. And I like how a lot of people who are proponents for traditional publishing methods are, st- are starting to... The scare tactic that, I, that I'm seeing most often recently is talking about crowdfunding stuff, especially Kickstarter, where they're like... Uh, 
well, this is this is dangerous because it shifts the it shifts the risk onto the consumer instead of onto a publishing house. I'm like, the risk has always been on the consumer. Buyer if right. the publisher yeah. throws something out there and it's shit, and I pay ten bucks for it, fu- I'm fucked. I'm still fucked. Yeah. So now, now, right? Yeah. Like eh. the shit. The the risk Prime is always example. on the consumer because the publisher. The publisher has very little risk because most of the time they know that they can at least break even. Now, they're just shifting it earlier in the process, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I'm I'm instead of trusting a publisher to give me something that I want, I'm trusting a content creator to give me something cool that I want. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with eliminating that part of the process. Well, I'm okay with that as well. I do think that I I don't like the gatekeeping functions as they stand necessarily, but I do think they're important. Um, I'm thinking like editing and there being an editorial voice is wickedly important. And I see in the, in, I mean the classic world of fiction self publishing is like, write A kind of crappy novel, put it up on one of the print on demand things and sell copies to your friends and then be done i say this because uh, not to diss on freedom land but I've, i'm <laughs> i'm better at it now than i was then and i was like oh i've become this person that wrote a novel sold copies to my friends although now i have 20 dollars of 10.99 royalty that the irs <laughs> is like are you a business <laughs> i'm like no kind of i don't know oh god anyway uh my point is 20 whole dollars huh? 20 whole dollars this year alone <laughs> Uh, my point is that I think think presses are good because they have a community and an editorial structure associated with them. Editorial structure is not a bad thing. And that's one of the reasons why I've always talked about, I've talked on this and on after, after the fact about the dangers of, of video game Kickstarters in particular mm. where I'm John video games. Yeah, where the constant like a developer is like, I got this idea for a video game, I'm gonna make it and the and people are like, Oh great, I'm gonna give you money to make a video game without thinking about how exactly is that video game going to get published? Where are you going to put it? Yeah. Like um but I understand the editorial voice I agree. Like that's something that's that's important and I think that publishers would be uh, publishers in in all of these genres, books, comic books, video games um, publishers as curators of content yeah. is where things should be going because um, that's the thing. That's what that's a weird thing, and I don't know if you guys agree, but like, um, th- there's two points I wanted to make. First of all, um, a lot of people have been talking about like Amazon's quote unquote DRM and the Nook quote unquote DRM as opposed to um, like an EPUB book, right? Where um, they call it DRM when really all it is is it's a file format that's specific to a pe- to a piece of hardware, um, which is wrangling you into that ecosystem, which is something that never bothered me. It, like it, apparently, it bothers people in the book world a lot. It never bothered me because I'm used to console video games. Right? Yeah. I grew up. Ah, I grew true. up in a system where. Uh, you buy a Nintendo system and you buy games for that Nintendo system. And sure, there's cross-platform games, just like there are cross-platform books. Um, but that's just that's just a matter of course to me, right? I I buy the I buy the console because it has the features that I like, and then I get the games that are curated for that console. Um, and the same is true of like 
the the Kindle or the Nook or the Kobo or the Sony Reader, right? It's like, yeah, I'm getting wrangled into that ecosystem, but that's fine by me because I like the hardware, so I'll take the books that are available on that hardware. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't. What, I've I've never understood why that's a problem in in the book world. Why people have such a huge deal. I mean, maybe it's because they're just they're living. They've lived so long in a world where a book is just a book. Yeah, right? I don't think they're used um, to cross platform. But um, what I, where I was getting with that was that, and I, I don't know if this is true of you guys too, but um, when it comes to video games, uh, the the console and the publisher are things that I have paid attention to in the past. Where if I, I look and I see an Insomniac game, I'm probably going to buy it. I look That's and I the see developer, a... Not the publisher. Well, okay. But in, in a lot of cases... Okay, we'll, we'll say the developer. I, I see an Atlas game. Yeah. I will pick it up. Yeah. Yep. Um, so... And I guess this falls more in like... When it comes to console, it's a little bit of a, a murky situation where it's not necessarily publisher, but for example, Sony, Nintendo especially, lesser so with Xbox, but first-party games that are console exclusive, you, you, you will look at and you'll be like, okay, I like Sony's console exclusives, that's why I own a Sony console, right? Like, I, that's what I, I like their exclusive stuff. Your God of Wars um, and your Uncharted's and your Ratchet and Clank's. Yes. Um, but in books... Um, and okay, comic books is another one. Like oh, you, you can dis- distinctly look at a publisher and know. Okay, I like their style. I, I don't like DC. I do like Marvel. I think that's much more true in comics. Um, I've, I've had numerous conversations with people in the literary world, not necessarily the comics world, about like, hey, look, these are the differences between walking in a bookstore and walking in a comic shop, and this is why they're organized in different ways. And I really think that comics publishing houses do much more of that curational content thing right mm. and and where i was leading with this is that and it's not necessarily specifically comic oriented but i have never ever ever done that with a book not once have i ever paid a bit of attention to who publishes a novel that i pick up on a shelf i am not the type of person who will walk into a bookstore and go I want to go look at what Del Rey is offering me. I want to see what Harper Collins has. Uh, never, never once. I've, yeah. I've never paid attention to that. But books Be- have been around for a lot longer than any of this other. True. Content. I feel like the only I was thinking about like books made out of words, and the only ones I can think of where I have followed a specific like publisher is uh, the Pantheon, and it's a series like Pantheon fairy tale series from all over the okay. world, yeah. like. They usually have really good translators, so that's one case. But again, that's a series of really specific content. Yeah. Um, but if I'm looking for just like novels to read, I follow authors. That's yeah, exactly. why it's set up by author mm-hmm. in yeah. a bookstore. And I know that's an argument that a lot of uh, a lot of content creators are starting to make with comic books now too, because. Um, a lot of people will follow a character mm. or a book instead of following the the creator. Terrible choice. So, um, so you end up in situations where people have been following Spider Man for the last ten years and they absolutely love it, and then he gets dumped out of his own body and a Doc Ock takes over, and everybody are like, "This is bullshit! I fucking hate this! Fucking you know?" And they they start going off on the on the creators, and it's like, um a lot of independent comic creators are starting to to try and push the idea of follow the creators you love, don't follow the characters. Um, and that is 
goes wildly against Marvel and DC's business yeah. model. Like right? I'm just saying, it's like if Matt Fraction were to write Superman, you know what? I would read fucking Superman. right, yeah. and and that's kind of the way I am. That's that's with uh, with Brian Wood, right? Like that's I followed, you know, I followed him from the massive onto Conan, um, and from previous stuff that I've. I've read of his, and yes, I will. I, and now that I've read Comeback, I will read a mu- bunch more of Ed Brisson's stuff, right? But have you read Demo yet? No, I haven't. Okay, I've heard good things about it though. Yeah, um, like Jason Aaron is another one that's oh, so like fucking good. Um, Rick Remender, right? I picked mm. up Cap solely because I love Fear Agent so much, and um, I I'm going to be picking up uh, un- his run on Uncanny X Force as well yeah. because. Which is um, something that you wouldn't have Marvel read book. before. Which is something that I wouldn't yeah. have read before, but because Remender is writing it, and I'll I, th- pick I it up. think that's where they got smarter. Because in the in the late '90s or whatever, it was about the characters, and they, you know, if they could just crank out a new character and it was glossy, people would buy it. And then there was Lindsay a shift. Hologram. Yeah, and then there was a there was a shift where it started to be the creators, and I think I think Marvel hopped on that bandwagon bandwagon earlier with with their whole creative community and marvel they, architects and, and the marvel architects yeah, yeah and, they, and they actually put them in the forefront hey these are our guys and this is what they're creating and you want to buy their stuff and dc's still not they, well bandwagon. they're starting to figure it out yeah. because they they just moved um jeff like, joms from from um god damn it he moved him from green green lantern to to jla jla yeah yeah well he was on jla but they moved him to another thing where it's like johns and scott snyder and yeah they're starting to figure it out hopefully it's, gail simone you would think yeah but who the fuck knows? yeah but they're starting but like, okay so if you, oh. i was just going to say they're starting to figure out that people want to follow the creators now just like people who read books will Follow authors, not not the not the character. And people who guys. play video games will follow developers, yeah. right? Because yes. that's that's the analogous part of the video game uh, industry is developer to publisher, author to publisher. You know, yeah. So. so so they're not they're starting to realize it's not the franchise that sells; <clears throat> it's the creator that sells. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is one thing that I'm sort of thinking about with the Marvel Architects is that all there's five of them right now. It's Brubaker, Fraction, Brubaker, Fraction, Remender, Bendis. Who's Aaron, the, Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, okay. Those are all five very different authors. Uh-huh. Mm. I mean, they are... Like, Wildly different, yeah. Yeah, like night and day. Uh, each of them has a very unique style, and it's... Man, I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear how they're sort mm. of planning shit out. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Is Brubaker still an architect? Yeah, like, I, I think so. Because now that he left Cap, isn't he not really doing Marvel stuff right now? I, th- I, th- I think he's like on in a like, producer-type okay. role. okay. So, anyway, um, that was kind of a that was an interesting discussion that went from like yeah. uh, uh, breaking comicsology to DRM to yeah. you know. So so creators. I just I just want to say one more thing, just to kind of my my last words is that this really the internet and everything about it is relatively new. It's it, the internet it, as we know it has been around for maybe fifteen, almost twenty, 20 years. years. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's relatively Not as we know it as we kn- the current version of the internet ten. Yeah, look, man, I was Dude, playing mud earlier. Yeah, but I know, but the amazing. mud, but the mud is was still was still a, a text interface as opposed to a graphical interface, point and click and gooey. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, GUI. Thank you. Uh, graphical user interface, um, but it's relatively new, and there's there's going to be fits and starts where or where people are trying to figure out how best to utilize this, yeah. and and 
publishers are trying to figure out, oh, we need to lock this down because this information, we used to control the information and now we can't. And yeah. when they try to control it too much, like, like EA and SimCity, if they fall flat on their face. But if there's something more open, then it usually does better. Yeah. And, and they're still trying to figure it out. So it's a, it's a great time to, to be a creator, I guess. We'll see how it goes. So since Emerald City Comic Con, which was two weeks ago, we have been reading uh, we've been reading The Twelve, which was Joel's suggestion. It's a J. Michael Straczynski and Chris Weston comic book by Marvel. Uh, it is an alternate uh, alternate world history book that centers around uh, twelve um, World War Two era superheroes, like Golden Age superheroes. Heroes. Not yeah. superheroes. Some of them are some super. superheroes. Some are superheroes. Some, okay, fine. Yes, there are some. There are some people, including the main narrator, who are uh, who are who are just uh, vigilantes. Let's call them okay. vigilante heroes uh, of their day. Um, and the the premise of the book is these twelve heroes uh, were part of a large influx of heroes that went to uh, went to Germany during World War II in in basically the final days of World War II as this one final push basically yeah. all these superheroes all showed up at the same time did the one final push to kind of end the war and, and kill Hitler kind of like and, the invaders yeah oh, the invaders are so good and uh, and they get trapped um, they get uh, a, a Nazi scientist who uh, on his um, his premise being that the Nazi drive was to create a master race, but how could they do that when they knew that superhumans existed? Um, so they were trapped, tw- these 12 heroes um, in a bunker, gassed them, froze them with the idea of of using them as experiments in order to try and develop superhuman, you know, a, a superhuman master race. But then uh, the Russians fucked everything up for everybody uh, by invading Berlin, and uh, the, the war ended before they were able to do anything, and this chamber with like, these 12 heroes was lost, only to be rediscovered in modern day, which I think this is set... I think they I think they come out in 2008 is, is the, yes. uh, um, the premise. They come out in 2008 and uh, are brought back into the world by by the American government in an attempt to uh, revive their kind of superhero ethic. Yeah. Just imagine if they came out in 2009 <laughs> with a black president. <laughs> <laughs> Especially <laughs> Dynamic Man, right? Oh, Dynamic Man. Um the the book is uh, the book is not as good as I wanted it to be. That's yeah, for damn sure. The first volume. Yeah. yeah. So, funny story. I accidentally read the second volume. Um, Fun fact: and Bean, amazing with words, not so good with numbers. <laughs> numbers, <laughs> numbers are like words, but there's only ten of them, and they keep repeating, and they're weird. <laughs> um, anyway, I liked the second volume kind of a lot, and paging through the first volume, I. I'm not going to say it was unnecessary, but it was a little unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, first and foremost, the thing that bothered me uh, reading the first volume was... The cover art? Uh, well, no. <laughs> I like the cover art. That had a good concept. Okay, look at the the like randomness of some of the people's faces. Like the swordsman guy 
who oh looks, he looks like that all the time yeah but it's so <laughs> bad it looks like he's trying to take a dump <laughs> he looks like that all the time <laughs> i just imagine <laughs> that's what he looks like mongo the swordsman attack um yeah so my, first first and foremost l- let me let me finish my point before we s- skip it um the first two and a half issues of this book are so fucking repetitive the first issue is entirely character intro. And I mean, l- the first half of the first issue is literally everybody walking through a hallway while the main character, the phantom reporter, <laughs> uh, introduces everybody. It's like, these are the 12 people, and here's what they are, and here's their powers, and here's their real name, and here's all the stuff that happened, and blah, 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 and here's how we got here. And yeah. then they get gassed, and then they get, you know, fucking... Uh, unearthed 60 years later and then the second issue is them instead of walking through a tunnel into a german bunker being in the uh housed in the mansion that the government puts them in and so uh, for story purposes they put they put them the government puts them in a mansion and tells them you have one year and we will pay for your expenses for one year so you can readjust and then you can you have a choice of either hanging out with us and and working for the american government and being superheroes for the american government or going on your merry way if you go on your merry way we aren't going to pay for shit you're you're on your own if you stay with us we'll pay for your we'll you know we'll pay, put you on the payroll um and the second issue is them in the mansion and it's all fucking reintroducing the same bullshit. And it's yeah. it's almost literally word for word sometimes where they're introducing a character and they're telling you the same fucking thing that they told you in the last issue all over again. Yeah. So- it's it's like the it's like it's like the the problem that a lot of television shows have when they ha- they have a pilot and the pilot gets picked up and then the show gets picked up so then they they air the pilot but then because executives don't fucking trust people to remember shit the second episode of the show is a reintroduction of all the shit that they did in the pilot and it's so aggravating it was it aggra- it almost made me give up on I, I literally got halfway through the third issue and almost put the book down and just said, fuck it, I don't care. So that, that is a valid point, but I, I just want to say that my biggest complaint is that the Phantom Reporter doesn't actually talk like a reporter Mm-mm. from the 50s. I wanted him to be like, so uh, this is the black hooker, see? She's a blonde, she's a dame, <laughs> she's amazing. She's not actually black, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I really wanted that. Like, hey. they, they nailed these terrible, shitty names, like Dynamic Man. From yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Dynamic Man would have been a the Marvel. Mask. Yeah, the Laughing Mask. Fucking. Mastermind Excello. Captain. The Witness. Yeah. The Rock Man. You know, and it, it kind of does harken back to the, the campiness. Mr. Uh, e. The 30s comic books. You know, but yeah, Mr. E. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. he sing for the eels? What, the fuck is the <laughs> what is the name of the actual the Black Hooker? Uh, Black, Black Widow. Widow. Black Widow. Oh, oh, yeah. Which was actually confusing to me because this is a world that is supposed to take place in a full-on Marvel universe. But Yeah, Captain uh, America shows up. Yeah, Captain America. A bunch of the heroes are in yeah, there in that first Captain few. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, well, that's fair. N- so. Namor's in there. Yeah. yeah. Flying away and punching Nazis. <laughs> like you which do. Which I, I totally approve of. Uh, I I was um, God the it's just fuck. six ep- episodes or six issues of just setup. 
It really is. She's well, and that's the thing. I felt like uh, the second volume was where all the story happened. Yeah. It, was, it was a good volume. We should have read this one. And the, the first volume, um, maybe it's just personal taste, uh, but it sounds like everybody else kind of had the same problem. The, the biggest issue that I have with, with it is that there's, it's just not interesting. Like the characters just aren't interesting and the things that they do yeah. and, the, and the paths that they take. Like, for example, uh, Andy and I were talking about this uh, at the beginning of the, or before the show where the, the laughing mask, um, his persona in the 40s was that he was an assistant district attorney who felt powerless to actually put away a lot of the criminals that he was, uh, he was trying to prosecute. Mm. So he would use the knowledge that he would gain as a district attorney, go out as the laughing mask, and execute his own justice, where he would, you know, he'd break into a mob's, uh, some mobster's operation and kill a bunch of people and, and kind of flag it so heavily and do and open it up so wide that the police had no choice but to do something about it, right? Um, and then his storyline is that he comes to the future and he's a dick, for one, um, and then he felt a little bit like, I mean, a little bit like the comedian in terms of like, yeah, right. Mm. Um, where he's he's you know he's just kind of drinking himself into oblivion because he's now he's he no longer he's sixty years out of time and and all he is is just a fucking vigilante with a couple of guns. Um, and then he goes out and uh, he shoots some people. There's this weird, like, kind of side storyline where apparently they they've been given immunity for the things that they do, like yeah. in the process of That's a terrible plan. Um, which, yeah, right? Like, like they register people register as superheroes, and then they are given immunity for the things that happen in the course of them, you know, doing their shtick. I thought you and, always got immunity for stuff that you'd done in the past. Uh, yeah, and then he um, he goes out. He um, spoiler he he kills a couple people who were involved in a robbery. He doesn't kill them. Or shoot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He just shoots the guy. He, he doesn't shoot them either. He just, he, uh, he incapacitates them. He doesn't kill them. And no, they, he does shoot. Run. He does shoot them because that's how they, that's how they pegged him. Right. They peg him because they do forensics on the bullet that he shot and it matches the forensics on it match. Uh, but he used the, he used the gun. He was shooting guns out of their hands, you know, like old yeah. Lone Ranger style, but he didn't kill the guys. And so they say, well, if it's used in any kind of uh, crime. crime or robbery, we, you know, we have to run the guns. It's the same thing we do with police. And then when when they do it, they realize that he had murdered somebody before he was in the hero program, you know, for World in War the 40s. Yeah. In the 40s. Yeah. And gets and they just that. come out. They show up and they arrest him. Yeah. And I was like, "That's really anticlimactic." Yeah, I was really disappointed in so, that particular storyline. I got to say that I think this book would have been better if they would have taken like heroes from the nineties, like <laughs> super Aww. extreme. Like, so the witness ends up becoming like Final Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamic Man becomes the Cyborg. <laughs> Black Widow becomes uh, I don't know, fucking. Cyber Widow or some shit like that. Just put cyber in front of everything. Cyber in front of everything. That's how and you make like, heroes in the So 90s. they get hit by a stasis Extreme grenade. demon. <laughs> like, uh, like in 1990, these guys are fighting like Thorax of the Impartium <laughs> Imperium and they all get hit by a stasis grenade and it lasts 20 years and then they come back and things have mellowed out a little bit except for these guys who are the most extreme 12 you've ever seen. <laughs> like, their only solution is more violence. Yeah. yeah. Um... None of uh, and that uh, it's 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 a lot of stuff like 
like that with with uh, with with Laughing Mask that just the character arcs that they put in here just just fucking they're just boring. I yeah. wonder if in the first volume the stakes just aren't high enough or aren't really heading in a direction because I can see some of the setup they're doing for the second thing like yeah. Um, the Phantom Reporter is is uh, still the narrator and totally integral and sort of um, I I see that his decision to like put the mask back on and yeah. like start up his shtick again is really important because that makes him the hero in the second volume and I think I he's a lovely hero in the second volume I love that everyone knows who he is everyone's kind of making fun of him for still wearing this mask to so you've got Black Widow right and this is the thing that sort of confuses me and maybe it gets resolved in the second one mm-hmm. Satan's got to be pissed that he made a deal with someone who got cryogenically frozen <laughs> for 60 years yeah uh I think I think maybe one of the problems could be that this this comic book should not have been split into two six issue trades. Like as a twelve issue, it should have been, been a twelve issue yeah. trade. Yeah, because there are set up, there are pieces of setup in this first volume. For example, they show they they pull the alias thing where they show modern day and then they rewind where they show. Um, they show the Phantom Reporter with his gun standing over the blue blade, dead, and never go back to it in the first volume. Yeah, that volume. happens in the second Right, volume. and it never, was, never, the first volume he, never goes back to it. Yeah, blue blade is worthless anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and he's such a, he's so obviously a douchebag in this one. I don't know what he does in the first one, but in this douche. one, he's, he's got his yep. own TV show. He has, like, plummeting ratings, but is really still trying to be, like, the next big oh, thing. Oh, that's awesome, because that's exactly the same story they tell about him in this one. Again, repeating this shit. Damn. That's, that's, here. here's my breakdown of the six issues in the first book. The first issue is them in 1945 and it's all set up character introduction they get froze the second issue is them in 2008 and it's all set up character introduction now they're back in now they're back alive the third issue is half reintroducing characters and then half all of them figuring out what exactly it is in modern day they're going to whine about and then the fourth and fifth issues is them whining about shit Each individual story of what has gone wrong, Mm. how am I going to whine about it and or be a douchebag about it? Because that's really the only two options here is you have a couple of guys who are like, fuck it. You guys are dicks and I'm going to do shit. And then the the rest of them are like, everybody's gone. Everything I know is gone. Everything is dead. But what about Rockman? I'm going to pound on the ground. I'm going to pound on the ground or I'm going oh, okay. gonna, gonna to gonna go to my wife's grave or I'm going to get chewed out by my, my Jewish step, family. Step back from the microphone a little bit. There you go. And then, um, and then the sixth issue is like... Uh, it, it was it was the it, it contained the one interesting backstory in the entire book which was rockman's backstory where he explains in issue 3 he explains his shtick where he came from he's yeah. from this underground civilization and he was the king and he uh in this great battle against this evil doer who was trying to destroy his underground this city blue armored evil doer yeah he he um he, in the middle of the battle, the guy tries to escape and sets off a bomb, and it collapses all of the uh, known passages to his underground civilization. He gets cut off from them, goes to the surface, does all all this good, and then in the sixth issue, they explain um, that 
he was a he was a worker in a coal mine. Yeah. And he got uh, it, the the battle was against um, a, a um, an anti union uh, boss. Yeah. Who they fought in the mine, and then a bomb got set off, and the mine collapsed. And when the mine collapsed, it destroyed the city above it and killed his wife and family. But it also released a gas that gave him his superpowers, and that was the most interesting thing that, that interesting. I've. I, you're yeah. right. It was, and he, and in the process of it, he got all these superpowers, but his mind snapped. Yeah, and he replaced all these events in his mind with this fantastical story okay. about how he yeah. became so powerful. Could, that makes some <laughs> stuff in this one. Yeah, and then sense. at the end, because it was his his. Uh, great like, niece, great yeah. niece that came up is like I heard this story and it sounds like my my uncle. You know, is it him? And and the military is like, nope, it's not him. It's not him. And and he's like, well, it really is him. It's like, yeah, but would you want to tell him that his whole family's dead? Let's just yeah. Have would him you want him dream. to live in it? Would Would you want him to know his own yeah. reality, or would you rather just live out the life of uh, the fantasy life that he's created for himself? And that was kind of interesting. Except yeah. I really, really disliked how they presented it. Because it was it was literally like we can't figure out a way to work this into our story. So, great grandniece shows up and tells the whole fucking story. Yeah. It's a talking heads book, and yeah. that was my problem. That was my problem with this first volume is that nobody fucking does anything. Nobody, it's just <laughs> it's just it's two issues of character introduction and four issues of whining. So exposition is a problem for you. Then. <laughs> well, yeah. In today's 15 minutes of hate has been brought to you by Luke Matthews. <coughs> yes. Well, okay. So, so now let me just say this. Said, when I, when I pick, when I picked this book, I picked it because of Straczynski and it, like we were discussing before, kind of a callback, you know, you pick the book because of the creators. And I thought, okay, this would be a really good take on the golden age superheroes. If you took all this, you know, rah, rah, you know, America jingoism from back in the forties, cause that's what comic books mm-hmm. were. And then put it in the modern days. How would it, you know, how would they relate to this? And it sounded like a good concept but when I actually read it. It's just, it was, it wasn't well done. Let, well, it was really. Clunky. Let me talk about the second volume, yeah. a little bit. Okay. If you don't mind me spoiling the hell out of it, it was pretty shit. pretty damn good. Um, they issue seven is a pretty limited specific story about um, what's his face, Captain Wonder. It's him talking to his former sidekick, who was like the boy hero character, who's now Bucky. Yeah. And embittered, yeah, essentially this embittered old man who's a, you know, sort of like super, super, you know, you do get some backstory, but he's like super excited to see him and like really wants validation, really fails to find validation, and at the end of the issue, um, commits suicide. Uh, and and to me, that set the whole tone of the thing in terms of like that did all of the exposition work it needed to do in terms of like these superheroes are are have traveled in time and their their minds haven't necessarily adjusted um and it's not reliving their glory days per se because everything is dark and horrible um the whole rest of the of the arc is kind of a murder mystery ish about half of them end up dying um there are some big character reveals like uh, Electro not being the only robot. Yeah. <laughs> Dynamic man. 
dynamic uh, a man lot of, was a lot of stuff. Yeah, and sort what of created as an Aryan super soldier ish. Or he's sure. supposed to be like sin sin free, and yeah. he doesn't know he's a robot. So he, and he's the one that you know. And there's some like really direct callbacks. Like I was reading in there, and I was like, oh, they just repeated the part where dynamic man right. is like chasing. Uh, trying to chase down somebody who's stolen a woman's purse and like picks up the nearby black guy and that's no that's her husband who's helping chase down the guy that stole her purse and what, then what? He, and then he just flies away because he's a douche yeah. yeah it was like wait oh wait it, you guys can marry uh, I can't handle this Pew, oh, right just peace yeah. out yeah and and okay so at the end of the twelve there is the, the ma- uh, master Excello who's the psychic guy. He can see into the future and whatnot. He has, oh, something's bad going to happen. And this goes over the, the entire issue. Something bad is going to happen. Yeah, and then at the very end, they have this setup where there's this bar where there was a big fight and there's body parts all over the place. And that's it. It was just one panel. Oh. It's like, what? Well, come on. Then the the in issue seven here, the... Um craft word that has escaped my mind exposition uh is really simple it's just like three panels of the bar back in the day uh the third panel says the uh, is talking about how it got closed because uh new york state was worried it might possibly be patronized by homosexuals and the next one the bar is called the rail and balls and as has a huge stop hate crimes crowd protesting around it because apparently a bunch of people got murdered murdered there and then you're into the murder and like crime scene investigating yeah. and, and you can kind of see what what is going to happen because there's a scene where um dynamic man takes on a robot and destroys the robot right you, you guys read this and then at the end he was like hey let's buy you a beer he's like well i can't take alcohol i'll take a coke though and so while they're giving him a coke one of the guys slaps him on the ass and and of course dynamic man freaks the fuck out which is because he's a in this. huge bigot yeah like. exactly well, he's the perfect man. Yeah. If you're, if you're not, and nobody's perfect. Nobody's more perfect than dynamic man. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, at the very end, there's this bar, this pool bar, which is probably the same place that he was just in. And there's a lot of people dead in it. So that was, that was the cliffhanger at the very end of the book. And it was just like, oh, really? Is that it? Where I, I was reading through the second one, the cliffhangers are much more exciting. Like, oh, yeah. Hangy. Yeah, they're more cliffhanging. There's an overarching plot to this book. See, and yes. I, f- I feel like that's the problem with the first volume of this. I think he just flat out just took too goddamn long to get yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's there's so much repetition in the first six issues that it feels like it really feels like Straczynski wrote an eight issue, outlined an eight issue story. And was told that he needed to make it 12. Yeah. And couldn't think of a way to actually do that. So he just started repeating stuff and made um, a lot more exposition. And mm. and he tried real hard to disguise a lot of his exposition. in. He tried to couch it in that um, kind of cheesy 40s, like Stan Lee, rah-rah comic kind, yeah. Of, yeah. Um, kind of stuff. And and I, in my opinion, he failed. I, th- oh, I yeah. think his... Uh, I think his, uh, his yeah, he did. his execution didn't work because it f- it it didn't come across as um, as an homage to previous comics as much as it just annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of see where he tried to make it like a Watchmen. So yes, so it is very. It feels very yeah, Watchmen like. It is trying to be kind of Watchmen where you have the reporter that's reporting on these. On these guys. Well, there's a mystery, and the fandom reporter is going to solve the problem. Um, and 
it just really fell flat. Like it took way too long to get to the story. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of backstory where he could have tightened it up a lot, but he had it drag it out and it was like, oh, these guys have issues and problems. And oh, yeah, and remember, all... this guy has issues and problems. And this guy too. And they're all... They're all real, really one-dimensional, yeah. right? Like, especially Dynamic Man. I understand he's a he's a f- Aryan robot, but like, he's just like he's so one-note. Like, yeah. oh, you're different than me. I'm bigoted against you. You're yeah. different than me. I'm bigoted against you. And, uh, and, and one of the one of the things, like a, a reoccurring theme or uh, something that he was trying to do, was the uh, the robot. Right, Berlin and bust electro. And so, yeah, electro. They bring they bring him in and they show him. It's like, oh, okay, we got this scrap piece, and then they leave it alone. And then he brings him back. Oh, there's the robot again, and then they leave. Well, it alone. the robots are really key part exactly in this one because there's a lot of mystery about like someone is always controlling the robot, and when the robot is murdering people, that means someone else is really murdering people, and we can't yeah. figure out who. Ah. Exactly because the robot comes to life, but through the first the first trade. He's always shown, but he's nev- he never does anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey, then the isn't robots until, in the background. It isn't until, the s- I think, the fifth or sixth issue that they even have the granddaughter of the person who, or the fa- the daughter of the, the guy who invented the robot and controlled it in the 40s come forward and say, mm-hmm. we want our property back. And there's this, there's this discussion with the government where he's like, nope, it's not your property. We, yeah. we salvaged it, therefore it's ours. And, and, yeah. and it's set up for we'll you w- where you know she already still has the technology to fucking control the robot again. So you know that it's going to come back and there's a little bit of, there's like a truckload of foreshadowing. There. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. A metric fuck ton. Of yeah, exactly. Right. And, and then they just dis- discuss this backstory and about the robot and then, Oh, there's the robot again. It's like, come on. It's like a, the robot is there, but they never do anything with them. It's like those goddamn uh, the angels in the original Doctor Who, where yeah. they, they didn't have enough budget, so they just got statues. And what yeah. they would do is they would just move the statues around, like when the camera was off. The and the exactly. first episode with the fucking weeping angels was spectacular. Like the original Doctor the, the, Who. No, oh no, you're no, no, thinking no, of the reboot. The, re- oh, the original Doctor Who, they yeah. were garden statues. They yeah. didn't have a budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it would be like us talking about. Doctor Who and then having the statue over in the corner like remember the statue's still there yeah we're gonna touch back on it later on but not now we're just gonna show it's like listening to NPR okay I'm gonna have a moment of NPR rage this is my rage with NPR and why I like their web content but I'm increasingly having problems listening to them on the radio because they'll be like here's a really interesting article check back in one week in 11 hours or like would you like to hear about this really cool 20 second spot that'll be today at 10 30 (laughs) <laughs> it hint it, it like ten thirty p.m. and they're advertising it at like eleven a.m. I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. It's okay. it's like it's it's like it's like uh, the the news spots that I, I don't think happen as much anymore. But it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like, yeah. is tap water killing your children? Story at eleven. You know, like yeah, it's like that. But <laughs> it's so it's, it'll be like next Tuesday at yeah. three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can Penguin. I can see what Straczynski was trying to do. But he he just doesn't do it very well. Yeah. This first one. And what what worries me is that Anne is sitting here talking about the second volume, and we're sitting here hitting on plot points from the first one, and so many of them, she's like, "Oh, they repeated that here too. Oh, they repeated that here too. Oh, they repeated that one too." And it's like, I've already seen this shit repeated yeah. already. I don't need but, more fucking repetition. But when but when they show the robot in the second issue, he does something. Or when they when they call something out from the first issue they do something about it in the second issue where they just touch on this stuff and then move on and touch on so it's uh, 
Yeah, I repetition, 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 mm-hmm. repetition, 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 repetition. So repetition. Yeah, I would say my practical advice here is c- completely ditch the first volume and go straight yeah. to the <laughs> second one. It <laughs> works fantastically. I don't feel like I missed any exposition at all. Nope. Yeah, um, I am. Uh, I I don't know. I so the answer <laughs> apparently of forty two is skip the first trade. <laughs> skip the yes. first trade. Skip the trade that we actually read, with the yeah. exception of Anne. <laughs> um, Numbers. I I. I'm disappointed because I like JMS's stuff in general. Like I still one of my favorite comic books. And I think a better kind of, uh, I don't know. I guess it's a different theme. I guess, I guess, um, what now I can't remember what the fuck it's called. (laughs) Rising stars. Um, I think rising stars is, is one of what is still one of my favorite comics. And that's one of my favorite JMS comics as well. Was rising stars in top 10 in the same world? I don't think so. Okay. Rising Stars was its own self-contained thing. Yeah, but it was ABC Comics, right? Um uh n- it started out as DC. Uh okay. and yeah, so it was a different thing, so. Um it, and I I mean, I guess it's fu- it's funny we sit here talking about the writing this whole time and haven't even commented on Wait, the art and that's because the art. uh it is it, it's non it's it's a non-entity. The like, art looks like it was written by Rockman. <laughs> drawn by Rockman. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it it's functional. It's in the background. It's not doing anything stylistically amazing. Yeah. Um, Blue Blade with no pants. Awesome. Um, oh my God, that's a sexy cover. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I that's guess part of the uh, Hawkman pro- or Hawkeye project right there. <laughs> right. That's what that shit is. Yeah. Well, he needs to be tilted up a little bit so you get some more camel toe. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> moose knuckle. Moose knuckle. Uh, so. I guess we'll move on to buy, borrow, or burn. Uh, I, I'm somewhere between borrow and burn. Like I can't, I don't think it's bad enough to burn. So I will say borrow. Um, especially if if what Anne says uh, about the second volume, uh, with what Anne says about the second volume, maybe maybe it's worth borrowing both volumes and reading through it just to see how it ends. Um, or at least just reading the second volume, but I, I so I'm going to go solid borrow for this one. Yeah, I'm going to say not don't actively destroy the first one, <laughs> but just just leave it on the shelf. Do as I did and borrow. Well, I bought, and I don't feel I don't regret having bought this. I don't feel like it was a waste of my money, but I would say borrow the second one. Completely ignore the first one. You don't need it. Yeah, I would say burn. <laughs> <laughs> I, and this really, I mean, I have I have suggested some really horrible books before, but that's because I wanted to. Was Holy Terror your fault? Yeah. No. Yeah. Was I, Holy Terror? Oh, Holy Terror was your fault. Oh. Yeah, Holy Terror and uh, Catwoman. I've done it just because of, I knew they were going to be. I thought horrible. Holy Terror was my fault. I, I just rage is all I think of when you I think can, of that can, book. Whatever. I'm sorry. You can claim that one. I'll give that one. To I'm you. pretty sure that was my fault because I knew it was bad and wanted to read it a bad book. Yeah. So yeah. Or this one, I thought it would be a good take, and like, oh, this would be pretty great. And then I actually read it, and like, oh. Well, it's not good at all. Urban champion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so bar, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually burn it, but I, I kind of want to. <laughs> but uh, borrow. You're same same boat as me, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the only thing that's like it's a solid borrow for me, but that's because I've been reading the literary masterpiece that is Gears of War. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I get done with that and start reading this. I'm like, hey, this one's twelve. Isn't that bad? Everyone's not like, bro, my <laughs> wife died. She got. 
eaten by locusts. <laughs> Let's go kill some shit. That's why I, I heard that they made a God of War comic too, and I can't imagine it being anything other than fucking Kratos screaming Ares! Ares! Yes, he's over like, and over again. There's like a scene where he's on the toilet. He's like, Ares! <laughs> um, all is right. He, well, is he a little bit like uh, Blade, where just like everything he does is really one note? Blade like, walks around and it's just like super cool, even when he's like taking a dump. Yeah, except on his Kr- with Kratos, it's it's it's, it's just screaming angry. in rage okay. all the time. It's like. I can't, get, I can't get this milk jug open. <laughs> it's, seriously, right? It's like I stubbed my toe. Like I'm vaguely insecure. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, it looks like it looks like the twelve is a solid borrow, leaning leaning downward. Uh, so um, I don't know if you guys actually want to pick it up, but there it is. Curious. I can't figure out this crossword puzzle. I'm actually really ashamed about this this pick. I've got to say, really, really, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I thought it was, you didn't know. I didn't know, but I thought it would be good. I was like, oh yeah, this would be good. Like, that's no. good though because I actually like the fact that we, you know, that's we, that's what we, we're here we for. All, we're here we to all prevent. Dove in. Yes. Like right. we're here to prevent our listeners from li- reading crap. Yes, sometimes, most of the time, or telling them to read crap and uh, and and share in our pain. Yeah, um, you know, yeah whatever. Uh, half a dozen of one, six of the other. So for the uh, for the next three shows, we've got them planned out. The next one is actually going to be Anne's pick. It's the Manhattan Projects. It's a Jonathan Hickman book, and I haven't read um, it. And I haven't it's read good. it either. I've heard good things about it, so uh, we'll pick up the first trade of the Manhattan Projects, which I believe encompasses the first five issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then uh, Eddie should be back for episode forty-four, and that's going to be his pick of the Sixth Gun Volume Two. If he's not back, we'll just shift that out to episode forty-five. Uh, which is going to be my pick of of uh, the new Matt Fraction Hawkeye, the first trade of the new Matt Hawk Fraction guy. Hawk, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Um, so uh, all of those seem pretty good. I mean, Six Gun, I already know. So I'm just going to say now, bye, uh, duh. Um, Hawkeye, bye, Hawkeye. Yeah. So, um, but we uh, we got the next three shows uh, planned out that's uh that's going to come ex- episode 43 44 and 45 up through hot guy hot guy um and uh, i guess we're uh, i guess we're done rate us on itunes uh, if you like the show it helps us get more listeners and helps us get uh shit on itunes uh review us on zune if you listen to us on zune i don't even know why i leave that in there anymore especially for this show it was fine for after the fact but we got to take the Zoom yeah, shit out. out. Zoom's got to go. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. The main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, I am at Geek Elite. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Uh, Joel is at Superfly, spelled, spelled phonetically, one. sort of. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Almost. PH uh, is a phoname. That's cool. <laughs> Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Uh, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Trade Secrets Podcast. Trade Secrets Podcast. Trade Secrets podcast um and if you want to be a part of the show uh you can email us at trade secrets at geekerific.com or you can hit us up on facebook or twitter and we will uh we will use your questions and comments on the show we have not gotten any in a while so come on guys if you're listening to the show send us questions you know what we're reading for the next three shows i'll reiterate manhattan projects volume two of the sixth gun and hawkeye if you have questions about any of those books or comments or anything you want to talk to us about send us an email fire us a twitter post on our facebook page Tweet us uh, a <laughs> 
yes taught us uh and we will use it on the show so thank you andy for joining us in your own apartment uh, this morning <laughs> thank you joel you're welcome <laughs> thank you ed bean okay yeah i am luke this has been trade secrets and we are out Keep on the making better, moving faster, makes us stronger than ever.